Welcome to the Think It, Make It podcast. We're all about turning your ideas into reality with a CNC router, tips and tricks, new products, interviews with the pros, and much, much more. Whether you're using a CNC for business or hobby, we have great stuff in store for you. Let's get on with the show! Everybody, welcome back to the Think and Make It podcast. My name is Eric. This is episode number 22, and I am here this week with Bobby and Greg. And um, we got a, a pretty packed uh, episode here. Um, last week, you heard about my project and, and how I designed it, and we did a accompanied video. This episode is going to be done exactly the same way, except today is Greg's turn to go over his project how he's designed it and uh, vet using Vetric. Uh, so there'll be a video component to this as well. So this this podcast will be available on the website and on YouTube, uh, both in video format, uh, in addition to in the audio. And again, we're going to do our best to try to not say things like push this and click here. Uh, we'll try to keep it as uh, uh, verbally explanatory as, as possible. Uh However, Greg was upset, and when Greg's upset, you know, I have to try to figure out what to do to make Greg happy, and he was upset because he didn't get to do a tech tip in the last issue, so, or in the last episode, so this time he wants to start off with a tech tip, so I think, um, you know, if that's going to make him happy, we're going to start off with a tech tip. My tech tip this week, um, I saw a lot of people just loading, trying to load VCAR files into UCCNC. Um, which is not going to work. You're going to get a bunch of gibberish, a bunch of characters. That's going to say error on line probably 52 or something like that. And it's because you're trying to load the wrong file type. Um, whenever you load a file into UCCNC, it has to be a pure G code file, which is normally one of two things. It's either a TXT file um, or a .tap file. Most TAP files, uh, you won't see our post-processors output that. Um, as long as it's a TXT file, then that will work. But that's the file you want to load into UCCNC. That's the post-processed file from Vetric. It's not the CRV file. The CRV is your Vetric file. So, And that, that same thing will hold true if you're a Mach 3 user or if you're a Centroid user. Um, the Any of those programs that are driving your CNC machine are going to require you to run the actual G-code file, not the Vetric or even the Fusion 360 files. So just always be sure that you're loading. Some programs, it's not TXT. Some programs, it's .nc. Um, NC works, yep. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different. And in fact, on UCCNC, I don't even really think it matters um, if, if it's .txt. I don't think it's looking specifically for .txt. It's just that's the output that our post-processor creates. It's Correct. just looking for Correct. a text Based G code file. Correct. But if you're if you are a Stepcraft user, that's generally what you're gonna see is TXT. If you try to load your CRV file, which is your Vetric file, it's not it's not gonna work. That's not G code. Um, if people get real nervous, they get scared when we talk about post-processing and stuff like that. But honestly, all that really means is that we're taking what you've done in Vetric, we're putting it through a post that converts it to G code for our machine to or any machine to read, um, and it turns it into G code for that. It's the click of a button. So don't get nervous when you when you hear post processor because it's literally just like saving it um, to one extra step. Very cool. Now, more importantly, are you happy now that you got to get that out of the way? Yes. Excellent. I feel better. That's what we were, that's what we were shooting for. We want to make you happy, especially because this episode really is is all about you <laughs> and your yeah. project. 
Yeah, so if, for those of you that don't know, my project, um, I started a little wishy-washy. wasn't really sure what I was going to do, but then, but I'm glad that happened because I ended up finding um, something that really is important to me, and that's going to be my, my parents' dog, Bella, passed away recently, um, and I'm doing a, a lithophane memorial type thing, um, collar holder. I know you can't see the screen here, but basically what it's going to be is kind of like a, a box that you would hang on the wall, you know, put up like a, a picture frame, whatever, um, it's going to have her name. It's going to have a lithophane, a custom picture of her that you can see when you hold it up to the light. It's going to have a little cool saying there and then a little spot for her collar. And then that's the uh, the basics of it. So my goal here, like I said in, in the last episode, was to make my mom cry uh, because then I know I did a good job. I know that's really weird to say, but then I know it, it really means something. Um, and then this is something that I can turn into, you know, sellable because... All you have to do is send me a picture. Uh, we can easily turn that. Lithophanes take five, ten minutes to make. It's no big deal. Um, once we have that process down, there's that custom aspect to it um, without going too, too deep into it. I've been in a good mood today, all pumped up. And then your project just, <laughs> just makes me sad. I just read the quote, and now I'm just out of time. I can't read the quote, thankfully, because <laughs> oh, my, my my glasses aren't going to allow me to read that, that far away. But, yeah, I'm... Uh, so we're we're three guys here. We're we're all crying at the table. <laughs> I was I was balling up when I was making this too, but now I'm really excited about it. And what I basically have here is I, I have her name, Bella, at the top there. Um, and then I have a little saying that says, No longer by our sides, forever in our hearts. Look to the light to remember, we're never far apart. Um, and the the reason I put the look to the light there is because of the lithophane. That's the wow factor, the kind of cool thing I was going for. So when you hold that up to the light, um, looks like nothing, just kind of looks like a, like like a white piece of nothing, and then you see the actual picture there, um, and it's it, it has a wow factor. That's to it, catchy. So yeah, it, it'll look like almost like a negative. Um, exactly. And but it'll be all white. Uh, so your plan with this is what that that lithophane part of this is going to be removable or you have to take the whole thing off the wall. So that that is what I'm going to experiment a little bit with because originally I had planned to have just this um, there's a, a circle um, or an oval right in the middle here kind of like you would see on on a gravestone type thing and I was going to have that piece removable. Um, but the more I get into this and the more I'm kind of breaking this up into layers, I'm wondering if I just use the the soapstone or the coriander that I'm doing with the lithophane and use that as the back and, and put the saying into there so that it is one kind of piece. Um, because otherwise I would have to do the circular cutout. I'd have to put it in there, which I think is cool. But if I'm going to waste that material, why, why not just put the backdrop on there? So the way I have it set up right now is I have it in three different um, sheets. I have the first sheet is going to be the back, which is going to have the, the V-carve. We're going to V-carve the name, we're going to V-carve the, the saying, and we're going to cut out the hole for the lithophane and also the two rectangles for a collar, where you can put the collar through the back and hold it on there. That's going to be one sheet. Um, the next sheet is going to be the lithophane, which I have here in a different sheet. And we can bring that up. Double-click it. So that's going to be the, the what was this, soapstone that we're using? Candlestone. Candlestone. And okay. Corian. Corian was another one I saw. Um, but this we have here is Candlestone. Um, so that's going to be one. And originally what I was going to do was cut the circle out, um, cut the lithophane out so I have it around her face. So you basically just see a, a good picture there. Um, and then pop that, kind of insert that in. But the more I was thinking about it, 
you know, I would, how would I get that in there? Would I, would I glue it in there? Would I kind of just seed it in there? Um, and I'm wondering if it might be better just to use the, the candle stone to do the entire backdrop. So instead of doing this lithophane part, use the candle stone for the entire back. So, uh, you're not intending to have a light in the back of this in order to, to experience the lithophane. You would have to physically take it out and hold it up to a light. Based on your saying, is that your plan? No, you wouldn't have to remove it. It would it would be fixed. Everything would be fixed in there, but you would hold the entire thing up. Right, but you'd have to, that means you have to take it off the wall. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I, another idea I was just thinking is if you if you stuck with the oval and you built a thing in the center that was like a larger oval and um, that was kind of like, it added some depth basically. So you'd have your engraved part and then the candlestone oval would be say three quarters of an inch in front of the background. That would give you a little space behind it to drop an led, uh, with like a nine volt battery or, or a double a battery. And then you, what you could do is you could, you could have a button on there that you push to light it intermittently. Um, if you're making something to hang on the wall, I just don't know how, um, is it, are people going to take it off the wall? Yeah, that's a good so point. Then you lose the experience of the photo because it's going to look like a negative instead of an actual photo when it's on the wall. So if you had like a, you know, from Amazon, you can get little tiny, um, intermittent push buttons and you have just an led behind it. So you're saying look to the light and then you push the button and that would light the back and now you don't ever have to take it off the wall. Yeah, that's a good idea. I don't like the idea of having a constant LED on there because I kind of want it to, to pop. Like you don't see anything and all of a sudden you see it pop. So right. I like the idea of the button. Yeah, because otherwise it'd be like everything we have in our, our um, demo where all the batteries are dead. Right. Because people forget to shut them off. So right. you yeah, just intermittent. Somebody would just push it and then that negative would turn into a... a a black and white photo a lithophane. And um, so and I you... also like the idea of maybe instead of hanging this on a wall, I'm glad you brought that up. Maybe we have this, or I have this sit um, as a, almost like a picture frame so that it sits on the windowsill. So when the light hits it, you kind of get that effect of it as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could do that too. So on the back where the behind the lithophane, you could put a piece of acrylic and route it into the to the back of it so that you'd basically if you were to look at this you'd have an oval cut in your back plate um with a dado in it and then you'd have a piece of acrylic on the back and then put an led on the inside and then have your lithophane in front of it so if you didn't want to use the led and you wanted to put it in front of a window Right, it would still work. It would still work because the light would shine through the acrylic in the back. But if you did want to hang it on a wall, so now you're giving that customer the option of they could put it on. Maybe you even have a fold-out um, kickstand on the back like a, right, like a exactly. picture frame. So they can leave it on an end table or they can go on a mantle or you can hang it on a wall or you could put it, you know, get um, the suction cup hooks and you can stick it right on a window. So you could do that too. Or have two versions of it. They can order with an LED light or to be a window version. Yeah, I love that. Just another idea. Absolutely. I think was- the idea is awesome. Like the concept is really cool. And honestly, I still think you're going to probably sell more of these 
this is a better selling idea, probably more so than Bobby and mine. But more customizable. More customizable. You're pulling at the heartstrings a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I mean, uh, you know, my son's dog is here every day. I can't even imagine, like, if anything were to happen to her, I'd be devastated. So, like, I totally get it. Um, and uh, I think it's a great idea. I'm just trying to think of... Um, by adding an LED or by adding a piece of acrylic, you're you're turning this what would normally be a static project and you're turning it into something that has some life to it. And whenever you do that, it means the value is greater too. So you could probably sell it um, for a little bit more money and you're really only talking about pennies for a battery, a, a little cheap, you know, Amazon, you could probably buy uh, 50 little push buttons for, you know, 10 bucks or something. And then, um, and then a little led light behind it, but you can, you know, doing the acrylic would be relatively easy and that would let you, you know, hang it on a window. You could buy suction cup hooks for it to hang it, depending on how heavy this thing's going to be. Um, so it give, it opens up some ideas. Okay. And not only that, but if you went that way with the lithophane and the light and the windowsill idea, you could literally make a smaller version of this um, to just be a product that would hang in the window. Right? So it doesn't have to be the whole the whole box. It could just be, um, you know, you could do the lithophane and engrave the dog's name in the bottom of the lithophane. So mm -hmm. you can just put a hole in the top with a suction cup so it can hang in the window. That's a cool idea. Like a, like a sun catcher. Yeah, I guess exactly. All those things. So there's... You know, there's a few different ways you can go about it. You could also make a lithophane in front of a nightlight in the hallway so that when you walk down the hallway at night and, the you know, it's a motion sensor light, it comes on, there's a picture of the dog. I don't know. You can, I can build a whole business just out of this concept. And lithophanes are easy. I mean, I, I was very surprised. I'm using Aspire here um, because V-Carve, you would have to use, We and we, we kind of discussed this earlier, I, I think you would have to do photo V-Carve. Which is now included with the the V Carve. Um, it used to be a separate product, but now it is included with with V Carve. And I don't have too much experience with that, so the only way I knew how to do this was through Aspire. Right. Was to do the lithophane. Um, and Aspire is as as we've talked before is a much more expensive product. Um, but that's the only way I could re if if I were to do this with V Carve, I would have to learn a little bit of photo V Carve more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to give you an idea of what this kind of looks like, and I know you, you can't see this. Do um, our tool pads here, and I was really stunned. I, I was just so happy with how this came out. Um, the lithophane function in, or the preview in Aspire V Carve is absolutely stunning. I mean, to see what it kind of looks like. You can see here the the words are I, I V carved this just a, a quick tool path. I might go a little bit deeper there because you can't see the the words at all here. Um, but the lithophane is just absolutely amazing. I mean, I, I yeah, that's cool. Fell in love with that feature, and it was so easy. I mean, it literally took probably you can see I have four or five different pictures here that I was experimenting with, um, and I could create a lithophane in those for two minutes on each one. So that's that's something where I think the the customization when you when you offer something like that, I think you, you add a layer of complexity. But that's going to be super easy if you just want that. Now, what was the point of building a box around it? Like, why couldn't you use, like, a nice piece of oak as the background on this or maple and then just use the router to, um, 
to put an edge around it, like a round over or a, an OG or something all the way around. So now it's just a flat wood plate with the focus then just being on the lithophane and the dog collar instead of going through the extra work of building a shadow box around it. Yeah, it was more just, just kind of style. You know, there's no function to it. There's no reason for it. But when I look around, a lot of stuff that we have in our house, a lot of things that, that my girlfriend likes are kind of those those setback pictures. Um, so it, and that's that's another thing too. I have on a sheet here, I have my four edges, um, very similar to what you were doing last week where we were going to 45 degree that, maybe put a rabbit dado in there um, and kind of go from there. But that's, we're starting to get a little bit more into it than I think I might like. So that's a good idea. I mean, I might just, just do this flat, um, but that was just a, a pure style choice. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of, um, uh, you know, time, not even cost, but it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm doing sides on mine because it's a cabinet. You're essentially making a something decorative that you would hang on the wall or on a table. So it's, it's not the decorative part. Um, is really the based on the lithophane and your engraving. So I'm thinking you could eliminate that extra work for yourself with the, the box. Um, unless somebody wanted a shadow box concept, but this way you focus really on the, a nice plaque that's stained or painted, probably stained. I would think if you're going to use nice wood, um, but then you don't have to worry about the edges. So you don't have to worry about covering up the edges if it's plywood. Right. So, because even your your box pieces, you're gonna have to use some sort of solid wood for that, so that you don't, um, you don't run into an end grain issue on the front face. So I I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas because I think it's a cool concept. I'm just trying to think. Again, when I when I went through my project, I was talking about using the vacuum fixtures, and that was specifically for what if I get a lot of orders, right? So if you got a lot of orders, how do you make these projects over and over again? And my solution was the vacuum fixture um, by putting the piece on. It does everything. Now, in your case, if you were to get a lot of orders, um, you have to make the lithophane. You have to make the back plate. You're going to have to probably treat the back wood first, Mm -hmm. clear it, and then do your engraving if you wanted to color fill the engrave because you need that clear on top to be able to sand off the paint. Um, depending on the wood you're using, you could use masking, uh, but you wouldn't, you'd still have to add some clear first. So the masking would stick and then you can backfill the paint. So you've got to do that already. And then you've got to do the lithophane and then potentially the acrylic piece. If you do that in the back or wiring. So you got a few steps there, not hard, but you know, if there's, if there was no like functional reason for it, that was my only suggestion. Yeah, and it's it's purely a stylistic. I think maybe what I'll do with this first one is try that. I'll see how long it takes to to get the sides on there, to to do the dados in because that if it's worth it, I think I like that a little bit better. Uh, but if it takes four hours just to do that, then I mean that's that's not going to be worth it, and it's not going to add any function to it. Right, but if you had like a, an Etsy store that you create specifically for pet memorials, then there's no reason why you couldn't have like 10 different versions of the same product. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think that's where matches. I'm heading. I think we're going down kind of that route, even though it, it seems really, really saturated Etsy with, with this whole concept. Um, you can find anything on there with lithophanes though. with, well, not necessarily lithophanes, right, but so with memorial type stuff. So you're, you're the thing you're doing that's different. That's going to stand out is mm-hmm. the lithophane. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, what a good idea. Somebody gave you that. Who was who? Who gave you that idea? The list? I think it was Bobby. Yeah, it was, well, it was Bobby. Me. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think I think that would be cool. I, I think start now. The only issue, uh, the other issue I see, just throwing stuff out there, is you're going to have the dog collar on the bottom. So mm-hmm. my, I'm guessing the collar goes through. That puts the um, buckle on the backside, which might prevent you from hanging this from a wall flat because the buckle, depending on how thick the buckle is, it's going to pull the, push the bottom of that. And that's where I need to decide what we're going to do on the backside because I, I do need some room back there either for the collar um, or for the, the lithophane to, to pop in there. Because um, what I was thinking, you know, this, this is going to be quarter-inch back backing on there and then it's going to be a quarter inch lithophane so if i slide that in there it could be kind of cool there would be like if we look at the preview here you can see there's almost like a depth to it um okay um so the way i have it right now is just set up basically carving that that quarter inch down there and i kind of really like how that has a, a depth to it if we look sideways can see it kind of goes down there the lithophane is the lithophane sunken. is sunken in whereas in the the other option is to put it completely and and pop it in there so it would be kind of standing out forward a little bit um either way i mean doesn't doesn't really matter but it just depends how i'm going to seat that in there and, and get that to stick in there well so how thick is that back panel the back panel right now i have it set up for a quarter inch okay so what type of material do you intend to use that's a quarter inch thick a nice looking hardwood. It's going to be very difficult to find a piece of hardwood at a quarter inch that you don't have to run through a planer to get it down. Really? Interesting. Yeah, traditional wood. So there are companies that sell it, but it, it's going to be expensive because you're going to have to process it. So when you get lumber from a mill, if it's rough sawn, it's usually like an inch thick, you know, give or take. Um, if it, you go to like a Home Depot or Lowe's, it's going to be either half inch or three quarter inch thick. Um, so I've, I've not really seen a lot of, I mean, there are project boards at Lowe's that were, I believe a quarter inch, but they're only a couple inches wide. So you'd have to glue those together. The only reason I'm saying that is you're, you're going to V carve your letters for the name and how tall are the text letters there? That is a really good. I'm glad you brought that up because you're going to punch through the back. Yep, we're going to punch through, and so you, not all fonts are created equal in VCarve. Yeah, just click on your text, and uh, and then, um, yeah, there you go. So what are you you're looking at? Oh, font, font. All right, it's okay. Just click on the text, and at the bottom right there. So your letters are inch and a half high. Yep. Um. So yeah, if you're depending on the V bit you're using, right? So if you're if you go with a 45 degree, it's going to go deeper. If you go with a 110 degree, it's going to be shallower. Um, but it, you got to find the sweet spot there because you don't want to go so shallow that it has no relief, um, and it's just scratching the surface. But you don't want to go so deep that you punch through. And a lot of fonts that I really liked that I thought looked stylistically good did not work well with V Carve. They were not cutting. It was leaving all sorts of things out. The vectors were closed. So it's it's a game of finding the right font that works with the right bit. Right. A lot of times, too, you can bring in a font. You may have to go in, convert it to curves, and then um, edit the nodes on the font, uh, especially if it's like a script font. A lot of times on script fonts, um, you if you if you look at the individual letters, 
they actually overlap one another when you look at it from a vector standpoint. Um, and then you have to go in, convert it to curves, go in with the scissor tool and clip everything out so it connects together. Which can be an absolute nightmare depending yeah, on the font. It, it could be. I mean, depending on the font. Yeah, it just depends on the look you want. But I would never choose a font specifically to make it CNC-able. I would choose the font that I like that, that presents the way I want and then convert it to curves and make the vectors CNC-able. Um, I would never go the other way around. Because, you know, like Vetric only has, uh, you know, there's not a ton of fonts in there, your basic stuff that you see all the time. But if you go to like 1001fonts.com or something like that, there's a ton of free fonts and you could find some really cool stuff. And I've done that and I've downloaded them and I brought them into my projects. But when I convert them to vectors, they need a little bit of work. So you have to go in and, and do that. But once you've done it once or twice, it's really not that difficult to go in and clip them and join them. Um, you know, so that's just something to consider is with a quarter inch backboard, your chances of your V carving punching through the backside is pretty high. Um, especially like see the B, the bottom part of the B closest mm -hmm. to the E, see how wide that is compared mm -hmm. to like the bottom and middle and top of the B that, that V bit is going to go deeper there because it's going to, the V carving will, will send that V bit into the material until both edges of the blade touch the vectors. So the wider your vectors are between your letters, the deeper it's going to go. And you're only two ways of, you have three ways of adjusting it. You know, choose a different font, um, but I'm not recommending that. You can go with a, um, a higher uh, angle V-bit. So you can go to a 60 or 90 or 110. Um, that'll prevent it from going as deep. Or you could set a flat depth on your um, V-carve, which will prevent the bit from going any deeper than what you set. So you could set a one-eighth inch flat depth on this, and it'll guarantee that you never go any deeper. But that may not give you the look you want either, because now you're, the center of your letters will have a flat exactly. spot instead of being a true V-carve. So. It's just something to consider. Uh, may I would consider going with half inch um, or even three quarter inch material on this. And what that'll do is that'll give you the ability to do this backplate two sided. Uh, you could flip it over and create a rabbit in the or a dado on the back, so that you could put a piece of acrylic in on the backside. Or if you decided you wanted the lithophane to have that sunken look, then you could pop the lithophane in from the backside. Well, that was the whole idea was to pop it in from the backside. But do I do do I cut it exactly so that the there's a little bit of material left so that it just sits there and then I can just plug that in right there, or do I do a complete cutout and and kind of somehow fit it in there? Well, if it, let's just say your oval is uh, four inches wide, right? If you make the oval cutout in your back plate. Uh, three and three quarter inches wide. Now you have a one eighth inch lip all the way around. So if you did a, a um, dado from the backside, and right, you could just kind of you sit could it just in sit there. it in there, and then you've got a one eighth inch lip all the way around that kind of covers up the edge of the lithophane. So it's going to look really clean when you do it that way. The other option would be to create a block that has a shape to it with an oval cutout in it that sits on top of this plate. So now the lithophane is sitting proud of the 
the surface of the that I think I, I don't I don't like that I, I want to avoid that that would be something you would need to do if you were going to go with the LED route um, because you need to have a little bit of back area so you need to have something uh, in there the space for the LED um, mm -hmm. and for the battery so you would have to build that out a little bit even if you went with a three quarter inch backboard your lithophane materials a uh, quarter inch thick a little over a quarter inch thick so that really only leaves you with a half inch left over and you're just not gonna have enough room to put a battery and stuff in there. And that, that's why I started with the quarter inch backing material because we had, I know I had the, the quarter inch lithophane material and I wanted it to kind of sit flush even so it all looked good. I'm afraid that if I do, you know, three quarter inch backing material and put a quarter inch lithophane in there, it's gonna look a little bit silly. It's not gonna flush, sit flush. Um, well, the other issue with, with a sitting flush is um, I would I avoid it just because, it, in other words, if you cut the oval for the lithophane and then you cut an oval in the back plate and your intention was to take the lithophane and press it in to the oval you cut so it's nice and flush, you run into some issues because you're using two different materials. Uh, there are some tolerance issues you need to worry about. You need to worry about tool wear deflection, things like that. So it could be possible that you'll find that either that oval lithophane won't push in no matter what you do. And then you don't want to have to beat it in with a hammer. You'll, you'll ruin it. Um, or you may find that it fits in loosely and then you've got a gap all the way around. But if I do it that way, that would leave me space in the back for, for some LEDs to put in there. So maybe that's not a terrible idea if I can get those tolerances down. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, you know, like I said, there's several ways of of doing this. Um, you know, that you can that you can do it. I now just my only other idea was to use the to actually use the backing material of of the um, the soapstone here, candlestone, candlestone, is to to cut the lithophane into that, but also to use it as the backing material. And I don't, I just thought of that kind of briefly. I don't know if I'm gonna love how that looks. You're not gonna be able to paint that um, if you're. Using candlestone uh, wax and everything in the material is going to make it uh, very difficult to for paint to adhere. Um, you might be better off doing a mask with uh, uh, and paint it. You know, you paint the the back material on this. Okay, so I think that's what I'm going to. The only other option was was the laser, and I don't I don't like the look of the laser. I don't I don't love that. It would be a heck of a lot easier, and I might try it kind of side by side with this just to see what it looks like. But for this one, I think I'm going to do a, a paint. Yeah, I mean, you could you could V carve it and then throw the laser in and laser into the V carve to darken it up. That's another option. Uh, I know you'd mentioned uh, possibly using epoxy too, which I think that would be a lot of work um, for something like this. Uh, the time for curing and buffing and sanding and all that would it would be a lot um, if you got an order for a lot of these you want to be able to get them out right away and I think if you do the mask with the paint that's going to be relatively quick obviously the laser will be instantaneous because you won't have to wait for anything to dry it'll just be done but one of the problems I see with a laser a lot of times it doesn't it's not real black kind of grayish so you'd have to play with your settings to to get that right but I mean, you could certainly experiment with some different things because the laser reacts differently to, to various woods. So, 
This is why I love doing this because your your perspective. We we have such a different perspective here. I have this big grandiose vision of everything of what I want to do with absolutely no consideration to to how long it's going to take and all that. And you're kind of the voice of it. It sounds like the voice of doom at first, but it's really the voice of reason. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm certainly not trying to you know poop on your your idea at all. I think it's it's a great idea. I'm just trying to think a. You know, I, I'm looking at everything from a production standpoint. Yeah, exactly. How, how do you produce these in volume? Now, obviously, if somebody's contracting you to make one of these and it's going to be a one-off custom, you can gold leaf it. You can do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? If somebody's willing Ooh, to do it. Gold leaf. Yeah, you could do that. But if you're going to do this in something where you're going to have like a store online and somebody's going to click add to cart and then give you the information from their pet, then now you got to look at, do you really want to go through all that extra work right. and it, or is somebody going to pay you for all that extra work? You know, I, I don't know what you're, you're thinking about for a price on this, but let's just say this was a hundred dollars. Um, and it's going to take you a total of two hours to do. Okay. That's 50 bucks an hour, very little material costs. You could probably say, okay, that's, that's a pretty good business model, but if you're going to do epoxy point and sanding and finishing and polishing and, fitting and, and build the sides for the box and you got to wait for the glue to dry. And now, now you're talking about something that could take from the day you started to the day you finish, it could be several days of, of your time. And now you're looking at that same hundred dollars. You're, you're making $5 an hour. It's not worth it. Um, or will somebody pay $400? Right. Exactly. Now they're going to, you know, if they're going to pay $400, okay, well then maybe it's worth going through that trouble and taking the time. But if, if they're not, so you have to look at what market you're going after and you have to look at, you know, what are people, what do you think people would be willing to pay? What level of customization can you add uh, without it taking tons of time? And, you know, because as it is, you've got two machining operations, three, actually. You have the initial cutting of your back plate. And then if you decide you want to engrave your letters um, and use the or mask and paint them, then you have to take this piece off, sand it, finish it, clear it, clear it again, probably clear it one more time. Now, if you use something like um, spray uh, shellac, it dries really fast. So you could probably put three coats of shellac on inside of an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. And then you're done. You're, you're in good enough shape to actually... Um, go ahead and put the mask on it. If you use like a polyurethane, now you might have to let it cure overnight before you can, it's dry enough to put the ore mask on. So you got to look at that too with your, your, your clear, but you know, so that, that's step one. But that operation I can do, I can get that down and do a hundred of those ahead of time. Correct. Without any of the customization stuff, without any of the finishing, the letters. So that could be done. You could do them in bulk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, uh, and then you could have them, you could even put the aura mask on. So they're all prepped and masked. And then the second machining operation would be the the letters. Correct. They'll engrave letters. The engraving, the, the fonts. Um, the lithophanes can be a completely separate operation. That would be a third operation, yeah. And then um, then you got to decide, again, you got to go back to how am I going to light up the lithophane? Uh, you know, what what's your plan for that? Because if this was a plaque just hanging on the wall and you didn't have a light behind it, it doesn't look like anything. Nobody would appreciate it. So you've got to really think about that. But you are looking at three three machining operations 
for sure. Um, lithophane, you're going to want to probably tape down. I don't know that I would use a vacuum table um, because when you're doing a lithophane, the more detailed, the smaller the diameter ball nose you're using, the more detail you're going to get in your finished photograph. Yep, and right now I have it set for a 16th. That's probably going to be too big. My guess is you're going to, in order to get the detail you want on a finished product, you'll have to experiment with it, but my guess is you're going to probably need to be at a 32nd ball nose. Really? Yeah, to get, to get the photo detail. I mean, you could try it at a 16th, but I just I don't think you're going to get, because it's not... That oval right there is, click on the oval. Um, what are you looking at? Six inches wide by four inches tall, give or take. So you've got an awful lot of detail in that photograph in a four by six area. So I just, you could try it. You know, obviously if you can get away with the quality you want out of a 16th ball nose, it's going to save you half the yeah, time. I don't think the uh, the preview on Vetric gives you the detail. In whether Not you, based on the... Uh, right. Because no, no. I tried an eighth inch and it looked just the same as a 16th and right. that didn't make much sense to me. So that's the first thing, you you know, you're going to want to test out is grab a, a piece of lithophane and process the, do you know, on one piece of lithophane, you could probably get two of them. Uh, do one at a 16th and one at a 32nd. You could use like a, a mana tapered... Uh, 32nd inch ball nose. Um, so if you go 32nd, it's going to take twice as long to carve. Not a big deal because it's not like you're going to, you got to stand there. It can be doing, you know, you could be doing a bunch of stuff, but there is time. And because of the small ball nose, that's what I was getting at. Um, you may not want to have your vacuum table or your vacuum cleaner on holding this material down for two hours. Yeah. I think I'm going to stay away from that. So you're, so you're, you're going to probably double side tape the, the candlestone down. There's no reason why that wouldn't work or, or the blue painters tape and super glue method. Um, you do one of those, you could clamp it too, but you're going to need a spoil board or something underneath. Cause you're going to eventually cut that out, uh, the oval out. So you've got, you're going to cut through the material. So you don't want to cut into the bed. So you have to have some sort of a spoil board underneath it. Um, so that's step one. Your initial cutting of your backing plate with the oval and the slots for the, the collar, uh, you could probably hold down with double side tape as well. You could clamp it if you're using a bigger piece of material. Um, you might be able to use vacuum depending on the material you choose. If it's oak, you won't be able to use vacuum. You won't get enough suction. Um, you could, you, there's really no reason to use a vacuum fixture. Um, you, you could design one for sure, uh, to cut these out. I, I could easily design one. You just have to put a cord around the rectangles and the ovals so that when the oval and the rectangles are cut out, you don't lose vacuum. So you have to quarantine those areas. Um, but if you're going to do high quality, high quantity, yeah, I would probably look at making a vacuum fixture as opposed to double side tape. Now, when you go and you make a bunch of these blanks and then you put it on to do the engraving, then you could use vacuum. You could use a spoil board, high flow vacuum. You could make a vacuum fixture. Um, it's just a square. It's not just something to hold it in place. So you drop them in. Um, you're going to probably go with a XY0 datum in the middle, mm -hmm. I would think. Uh, so you have to pick up your, your XY0 so your text is centered when you put this back on your oval um so there's a few things to consider but it's a three-step process at at best it, it's it's three-step unless you go with a laser 
then you can make it a two-step process, but you just have to have a, a an attachment change. So you'd, you know, cut you'd cut all your cut your oval, cut your slots, cut your bevel around the edge, make the backboard look really nice, and then switch to laser, um, and go ahead and and laser the words. Or if you wanted to V carve, you could switch to that, and then switch to laser and darken in the V carve. You can go that route without having to remove that material from the machine. So I would consider that one operation because you're not, you're not, you're leaving the material clamped in place. I'm wondering why, why I couldn't do the, so do the two rectangle cutouts for the collar holder, do the circular cutout for the lithophane, but then during that same operation, do the, the engraving there. If you, if you do everything ahead of time, so shellac ahead of time, then put the ore mass down and then do it right there. So you don't have to do another fixture operation. Yeah, no, actually you could do that too. You, you could, uh, stain, make your square blanks, stain them all, clear yeah. them all, put the ore mask on. Yeah. You could do that. There's no, yeah. that way we don't have to move it. Cause that's going right. to be the tough part is getting it up, getting it back down to yeah. the center. Of yeah, everything. no, that's a good point. Yeah. I wasn't, uh, there was a reason why I was thinking to do it that way, but I don't remember. Um, so yeah, yeah, you could, you could certainly do it that way. You can, Oh, oh, that's what it was. When you um, when you cut the oval out and you cut the slots out, you're going to have exposed wood on the edges. So my thought was that you would cut those out, and then when you stain and clear it, you would stain and clear the edges that you cut as well. And and then later, all you're doing is doing the engraving. So because like if you if you stain the entire thing and clear it. And then cut the oval and then cut the squares. Right. The inside of the oval and the squares will be back to bare wood. How do you how do you get the same level of finish on those edges as you did on the surface? Because it's it would have been done in two stages, right? Um, so that's all. That's 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 why I was thinking that, because you're gonna cut those out and you've gotta finish it. Um yeah, so that's 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 why I would have done. It. But again, if you're gonna if you're gonna plan for quantity, then you make a bunch of blanks, do them, and then then you just pop them on when it's time to engrave them. Yeah, and then the customization comes afterward. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the end of the world. You can certainly do it that way. But I mean, you could try to stain the slots and the cutout later, I guess, and then somehow try to hit it with clear and have it all blend together and match, but it's going to... Depending on how, if the lithophane is going to pop in there, maybe I don't even need to do the inside. Um, we'll have to do the collar because that will show the right. collar holes, but the lithophane may, may not, depending on how we, we seat that. It depends on how you're going to attach it. Right, exactly. And, and again, that depends on how you're going to back, how you're going to light it. So if uh, you're going to use an LED, you're going to have to somehow get that lithophane you need some depth behind the lithophane to get the LED in there. Yeah, and I have no problem setting that. I, I kind of liked how it was sunken down, but to set it up and forward would save me having to do anything on the inside there and also give me the option for the LED. So I think that's the way, I think that's what we're going to go. It'll be a almost like a, a raised lithophane instead of a sunken down one. Right, now another thing you could do is if you go that route, then you could stain and mask it, right? But on the slots for the dog collar, you could make the slot, say, a quarter-inch slot, but then run a V-bit on there, the same V-bit you're using for the dog's name. Mm -hmm. You can run a V-bit around it so it's got a bevel on it. And then since the whole thing will be masked, where that V-bit is will also have been masked off. So you could literally paint the two dog collar slots 
the same color as you're painting the letters. Up yeah, above. yeah. Give it a little bit of pop. Then you don't have to worry about the staining or clearing the inside of the slots. So if you were going to make it so that the lithophane was sitting in front of the plaque, then you don't need to worry about that oval hole either. So you could get this right. to a two-stage process if you want to um, make a slot for the dog collar and then paint it. Yeah, I think that that's the route I'm going to have to go, um, at least to start. If that doesn't work out, then I can always adjust from there. But I, I can't do a, a, a third staging because just to get that lined up is going to be more trouble than it's worth. Right. Now, another thing to consider is if you did want to go the let's hang this in a window route, you won't need an LED because you're going to use sunlight, but you would need to put a piece of acrylic um, on the backside. Well, no, I guess you don't have to do acrylic. You could just leave the candle stone with an opening in the back. There's, the only reason I suggested an acrylic before was if you made it so that it had an LED and could use mm. light coming mm. through, then you would use the acrylic to hold the LED, but it also let light through if you put it in the window. So that's why I was thinking that. So you, because if you did it that way, you'd have to do it double sided because you'd have to put a rabbit around or a dado around the back. Um, but yeah, if you just leave it open, you don't have to do that. I'm curious what people would think if, if we could let, let us know what you guys think about that, whether it'd be a good idea to go with the LED or just do a, a basic window hanging where the sunlight would shine in there and kind of get that natural. Um, I really like that idea of the, the sun kind of making it pop. So it's not always there. Um, but if you had to purchase this, what, what would you prefer? What would you buy? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I'm just trying to think of other materials you could use too. Like you could use, um, max metal, um, or some sort of like Johnson plastics where you've got or the back. No, yeah. Where, well, it would be like max metal. The brass is really nice. Um, but when you carve through the brass, it's black automatically because mm -hmm. the plastic's black. So that would save you, it would give you a brass looking or a brushed aluminum, or they even have mirror. There's a bunch of different ones that you could do on the front. And then when you V carve into it, it's automatically colored because the plastic is black underneath it. So it would save you a step, a finishing step, but it would, or maybe it's just something you have as an option. Like you can mix it up and have a metal looking sign. You know, the, the brass and the brushed aluminum are nice looking depending on what you're, you know, you're looking for, I guess. Yeah, I was thinking more of a, a kind of a natural, you know, wood has some life to it, that kind of feel. But I don't hate the idea of a nice, clean, because I, I love the way that stuff cuts. I mean, it's just so perfect and clean. It has a little bit less life to it, but it's a lot neater. It's a lot cleaner. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think, um, yeah, and again, not to, you know, I mean, the whole point of this was to critique each other's projects, although you guys didn't have anything to offer on mine. <laughs> But I, uh, I think just whenever I look at something like this, I'm looking at it from sellability. Um, what are you looking to make on it? What do you think it's going to cost? How much time is it going to take? And, you know, is it something that you're going to do in high or low volume? So you have to keep all those things in mind whenever you're mm -hmm. developing any product to see um, if it makes sense. You know, I mean, I, I know people that... Um, yeah, I've gone to craft fairs before and, you know, you walk in, you see, you talk to somebody, you got this really cool, like whatever that they made. And I ask, well, how'd, how'd you do, you know, at the fair? You oh, mentioned I, your mom last week. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I made, I made, um, you know, a few hundred dollars. And 
well, that's great. But then it took you, um, you know, 10 hours to make that thing. So what did you make? A dollar an hour. Right, exactly. You know? So, I mean, a lot of people do things for the love of it, but um, yeah, I, I think the, the purpose of this exercise was not to um, buy the machine to make something and make no money on it. It was more, we're looking at profitability, like a business. You're going to, yeah. how do I pay for my machine? Well, if you're making a dollar an hour, you could pay for the machine. It just take you an awful long time. And that's such an important perspective to keep in, in mind. Because like when I was doing this, I mean, it, it's very hard not to get lost in this. And be like, this would be so cool to do. And she would love this. But to keep that perspective in mind of, you know, how long is it going to take just to add the, the shadow box on there? Right. You know, is it going to be worth it? That that perspective is absolutely key. I mean, it's I get lost in these all the time. A business that doesn't make any money is a hobby. So, if you you have to really just determine are you are you in a hobby or in a business? What do you want? I mean, there's nothing wrong with either one. It just if you want to be in business and you're not making any money, that's a problem. Right. Um. So, yeah, I would. I, I think uh, there's there's several ways to do it. And then the other thing is determining what do you think the cost is going to be? I mean, you could really go nuts on this and charge four or $500. I mean, I'm sure people will love their pets enough. They would pay $1,000 for a cool memorial for the pet. You know, you can get all kinds of crazy with, you know, like I said, gold leaf and all kinds of other stuff. Or are you going to go after the masses, right? So where, where, do, you, where, do, you, uh, where do you lie? Yeah. And I think I, I think I have to do a little testing first before I decide that. I mean, I think originally I had this in mind to be kind of a higher ticket, you know, not four or 500 bucks, but to be maybe a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, depending on, you know, the woods we use, the nice kind of finish stuff like that. But once we kind of figure out what works best for that, I think then, then we start to price it, right. Then we start to get um, an idea there and that, that I'm excited for that episode. That's going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, material-wise, even if you use a piece of cherry, um, what is this, 12 inches wide? Yes. Um, it's a 12 by 12 right now. Yeah, so if you want a piece of cherry, you could probably pick up a board. You may have to vary your width slightly narrower. Like if you went up to uh, Inman or something and grabbed a look for wide boards, I mean, maybe you get lucky and you find a board that's 13 inches or something. But you may find that they call it a one by twelve, but it's only uh, eleven and three, eleven and a quarter inches wide. And that's okay. There's no. So I mean, this adjust. doesn't have to be symmetric or anything like that. There's no. It, it can be a little bit more tall than it is wide. Right. Um, there's a lot to play with here. So. Yeah, I would, and so yeah, I mean, maybe uh, you're looking at, I don't know, fifteen dollars in material. That's it, really? Yeah, I wouldn't think it's more than that because you're one board foot. A 12 by 12 is one board foot. So even on the high end of wood, if you're looking at six, five or six, seven dollars a board foot. So there's that material. Candlestone, that sheet, you can get two ovals out of it. And that was like nine dollars. So, you know, you're four dollars and fifty cents plus the, the wood. And then I guess if you factor in paint or a mask, maybe another dollar or two. I'm surprised to hear. I was I was factoring in. I was planning for a lot more than that with, with no. wood the way it is these days. Nope. But because, you know, if you're the only guy that's doing these in lithophane format and people think it's cool, then you can demand uh, whatever you want for price. So, yeah, you could go $99 for one of these or something. I hope so. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's the coolest thing I've ever done. But 
I mean, you may want to also look at other options too, like instead of a square on the top, maybe do some kind of a arch or man, like an arch, like the Yoda thing we have over there has got the arch on the top, maybe something like that. Um, but I think what you're going to end up doing is having to come up with a couple different designs because what I like may not be what Bobby likes, may not mm. be what you like. So I, I may not want something that's square. I may want something rounded. Bobby may like square. You may want something that's got angles on it. And so. fr frankly, that's no big deal to change that that little vector there because I, I learned I thought I was going to have to Photoshop an, an oval around her face here <clears throat> that you can see because I wasn't sure how. But then I, I realized all you have to do is um, machine to the vector to a, to a boundary. Correct. Instead of doing So I didn't have to do because I have no Photoshop skills. And instead of working with the photo, all I have to do is draw a vector around it and, and machine it right to there. So right. that would be super. I can put an arch there. I can put anything. Right. Yep. yep. No, I think it's a cool project, though. I think it's uh, going to do really well. I, I don't have any doubt. Um, you just got to – you don't want to be in a situation where you get orders and it puts you in a bad mood. Right. You, if you can't deliver or it's so painful to make these that it's like, oh, I got to make another one. Like that's, mm. that's telling you. That will never last. You need to, it'll never last. You'll get miserable with it. So then you have to, like I follow this Jen, Jen and it's a husband and wife, um, Jenny and Davis, I think they're called, on Facebook or on YouTube. And they have a channel they both have full-time jobs. They fly for the military in an airplane where they fly in the storms and they do recordings of stuff like that. But then they have their, their business and they specialize in charcuterie boards. And they had a video the other day. It was pretty interesting. They were building up their stock on these things. So they have, they don't have a CNC. They're, they're using um, their, their hand routing the, they're using a bandsaw and, you know, using a hand router and planer. They've got all kinds of woodworking tools to make these, but they were making 116 of them at a time and they were just blanks. Oh. So then they put them on the shelf and then they have a, uh, a Glowforge laser so that when you order it, the personalization is done with the laser. So they grab a blank that's already been sanded and prepped and everything. And then they put it in the laser and they, they laser it. Um, it was, it was pretty unique. They, their business is cool. They focused on one thing, but they come up with a way of, I, I need to make uh, a lot. I have to have inventory. I, I know that the, in, the personalization is done at the end. So make a bunch of blanks and then all you got to do is pop it in the, uh, laser laser it, and then ship it, you know? So that's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, you're, you're going to be in the same boat. Just gotta think about the plan. Yeah, looking forward to some feedback. Let me know what what the in that LED idea versus just the window hanger. You know what what you would buy, what you would prefer if you did something like this. Yeah, but like again, uh, anybody who's listening to this, just check out the YouTube version or go to thinkitmakeit.us and uh, episode twenty two, and you will see um, the video as well for this, so you can see exactly what Greg is talking about, what he's designing. Cool idea for sure. So I guess that's it for this one and next week um bobby's turn bobby gets to sit in the hot seat and explain to us exactly. give us any uh sneak preview cornhole boards the cornhole boards 
Uh, you'll see it next week. Okay, yeah, she's cool. going to make it. I.E., I haven't even started it yet. <laughs> so um, no problem. But, uh, yeah, so we'll look forward to that next week. And uh, I appreciate you coming and uh, listening to us and watching us here. And uh, we look forward to having, having you back uh, next week. Have a great week, everybody. Till next week. Thank you for listening to the Think It, Make It podcast. Be sure to tune in next time for more great CNC router content.